12,000 fans here at Bramlage Coliseum spilling out onto the court. A huge celebration as Kansas State, for the first time since 1983, has knocked off the Kansas Jayhawks in Manhattan. Bring on the podcast. Here's your host, A. Hernali. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring on the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. Happy to welcome back today from Pistols Firing Blog, Kyle Cox. Kyle, thanks for coming back and joining us. Thanks for having me. And, uh, of course, Kansas State playing at Stillwater this weekend, and you know I know things aren't looking so great for, for Oklahoma State, but but maybe it will be encouraging to OSU fans that you know last week we heard a pretty dismal report from Texas A&M, and then uh, the next day they, they took a 13-point lead on Florida at half, and then of course they beat Kansas State on Saturday. So you know, maybe if the podcast turns but, it around, yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah, that's probably. As good as I can hope for. I mean, Oklahoma State obviously is pretty shorthanded right now, even more shorthanded than they were going to be right. uh, with some recent departures to the program. So they got a, what was a good win Saturday against South Carolina, Mike right. Wooden's alma mater, which any good win is a good win at this point. But, uh, yeah, it's not been the most uh, cheerful of years so far to start. Yeah, and then, I mean, of course, Oklahoma State beating an old friend, uh, Frank Martin's team. You know, did that team remind you of the old K-State teams at all? Yeah, I think they were in a little bit of a rebuilding year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I think basically what happened was Oklahoma State shot the ball really well from three, and they kind of got some energy from some guys that, and some play from some guys they hadn't uh, in the past. With, like I said, they basically have seven scholarship players right now. So right. they played really well in the first halves, and then they just run out, of, run out of legs and run out of steam. And then same thing against Oklahoma a couple weeks ago. But th- that's kind of been the, their MO this, the last couple weeks. But they, they put one together, so hopefully they can do that against Stillwater for their sake. Yeah, and, and since you kind of mentioned them, we'll talk about the dismissals a little bit. Um, they were, there were two guys early, and I'm, I'm less clear on what was the – was there an inc- a specific incident involved, or was it just team violations and no other details? There wasn't any, there wasn't anything officially put out by the school, but uh, there was three players okay. that were uh, dismissed from the program. And there's various reports that it had something to do with vandalism of a car or a couple right. cars or something like that. So a couple of those guys had already been in trouble earlier this year. So I think maybe that was the last straw for them. And, and then before that, Mike Cunningham, who was the graduate transfer from USC Upstate, was supposed to be their probably their starting point guard this year. And uh, he and OSU mutually parted ways. And there was not really a lot released about that. But, yeah, so that's four guys that were going to really get minutes this year. Uh, that are now gone. So yeah, weren't there like a couple more in December? Cunningham was the one that was earlier oh, was the on in the year. Yeah, okay. it was a. I think he only played like six games. That's probably yeah. okay. Why I it. So it did, but yeah, you, those three, those last three were were two weeks ago. Yeah, okay. all at one time. And you know, even before those dismissals, there weren't a whole lot of high expectations. But you know, Oklahoma State did have a, a pretty decent showing at the Advocare Invitational with the wins over Memphis and LSU. You know, was was there any getting your hopes up for Oklahoma State fans at all at that point? Or? There was. I think most people who 
kind of saw what they lost last year with Jeffrey Carroll, especially, and Kendall Smith, two of their, their top players. All the guys that they had returning that had experience, none of them had been the guy that was counted on a score. So, you know, some people from a, from a distance might have thought, well, they just barely made it, didn't get into the tournament last year. They got into the NIT and won some games, and there should be a step forward in year two. But really, with all he lost in the second year, there shouldn't have been a lot of expected as far as making a tournament or anything. So, mm-hmm. of course, the the lack of depth really gives him a hit, that takes a hit there. And, but maybe that, you know, gives Boynton a little extra leash, you know, moving forward. Because at this point, no one expects them to do a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. If they can get a couple right. more wins, you know, in Big 12 play, that would be good. So, Right, right. I guess looking at the roster, I mean, the only guys that I really recognize are, are Lindy Waters and Cameron McGriff. Are they kind of the leaders now? What's left of this team? Yeah, those two. are, And Thomas Dezagua, who's also a junior, is actually... Mm-hmm. He's started all year, and he's been up there too. But, yeah, that's basically it. A couple of the guys that were looked upon, like I said, to be leaders or to at least be on the court leaders uh, are now off the team. So, Lindy Waters, is, has Mike Boynton actually a couple weeks ago told the press that he wanted Lindy Waters to be more aggressive. And in the last two games, he really has. He's he's looked for his own shot more. He's got to the rim more, and he's it's really paid off for him. But mm-hmm. they're going to have to get scoring from somewhere. And that yeah. he's one of the couple guys that, that can find his own shot. So. Right. It sounds a little bit like A&M. They had their guard, TJ Starks, who has the highest usage rate of anybody in the SEC. You know, it sounds like you know, he's a pretty decent player. It would be like a great number two or three option, but when he's forced to be like the number one option, it's a little too mm-hmm. much to ask. Right. Yeah. Kind of where yeah, it is. That, that's kind of how it is. And, and uh, Cam McGriff is another one. He he was a really he was really came mm-hmm. on last year as a support guy or a kind of a utility to it all guy defense athletic dude but i mean they really don't have a choice but when you're leaning on those guys it's sometimes they're going to have off days they've had some a couple of freshmen though that have stepped up that are should help them pay off in, in the future with isaac likely yeah. who's uh, <clears throat> basically been their starting point guard this year he had a couple of good games he had 23 points in morgantown in the win which mm-hmm. wasn't quite it doesn't look like quite the win that it did uh, when they <laughs> won there but uh and then your who's the freshman center he's you know, one of the top shot blockers in the country, and, and he's mm-hmm. shown to have uh, adequate touch and could possibly grow as an offensive threat in the future. So a couple building pieces to go along with uh, what they'll get in the future. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's interesting. I don't know if you'd be able to answer this question, but I was looking at the Oklahoma State website, and on the statistics page, they actually listed Lindy Waters twice, and like one version had 13, and the other version had the other seven. Do you have any idea what that's about? I do not know. I'm not... <laughs> No, I haven't looked at that. Yeah, that was weird. There's only one Lindy Waters. Yeah, yeah. but he's the third, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, okay. That's Uh, confusing. (laughs) And so, but you you mentioned, you know, when they're hitting threes, they they look great. What what else does Oklahoma State do, you know, when they're playing well, when they're successful? They're playing decent defense or good defense. I mean, they've started out, like I said earlier, they've played pretty good in a couple of these first halves and uh, really held teams down against Oklahoma. I think they held them to like off the top of my head. I think it was like three of 13 from three or something and, and really used the zones that they've had to go to now and really disrupted the Sooners. But as they kind of wore down and they got a big lead, the Sooners started making shots. And next thing you know, it was, it just kind of was a snowball that went downhill and, and uh, I think they, they didn't score for like the last five and a half minutes of the game and ended up losing. So, you know, they're going to be a defensive team that's going to shoot volume threes. And they have some guys that can make threes. Thomas Dezog was one of them. He's like leads the Big 12 in three-point attempts and makes, I think. 
and Lindy Waters is, is the, the leading three point percentage wise in the NFL, or in the uh, in the NFL in the Big Twelve. <laughs> but uh, so they've got some guys, but it's it's all about those guys hitting and then just trying to manage those minutes again with that short bench. So yeah. But it, it is Super Bowl week, so you got football in the mind. I can't forget. I know, that. yeah, that's right. ESPN ticker's going across my screen. I just watched uh, West Virginia get smoked. Yeah, pretty badly. Yeah, that was. I like and I saw uh, Marcus Howard had another thirty-point game for Marquette. I remember, you know, some K-State fans were saying, "Oh, K-State should have game plan for him better." I, I think he was <laughs> that good. Yeah. Anyway, you, you were talking about defense, so I, I guess I probably should ask, does Oklahoma State play any zone? That's kind of been K-State's kryptonite on all games this year. Yeah, that's what they've really had to rely on lately. When Boynton came in, he was more of a man-to-man guy, but with the short bench, they're just trying to uh, reserve the legs a little bit. and They've mm-hmm. gone from a, a 1-3-1 zone and to a 2-3 zone. They've kind of gone back and forth with that, but that's, that's really what they're doing the last few weeks. Yeah. You think that could be a good matchup then against Kansas State's shooting woes? If, if they... it, it could be, and like I said, it really looked like it was. They looked like they were going to run away with from from OU with that, mm-hmm. and because they were hitting threes themselves. But it's all about the legs and and staying mm-hmm. staying with it. So uh, that's going to be their best chance, though, is to to do that and to uh, play a clean game and maybe force some turnovers if they can yeah. along the way. And so I guess you know with that shorter best, they probably won't want to push it too much either, so maybe we'll, we'll see kind of another slow, ugly game. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, they'll try to push it some, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's it's that's not going to be the, their specialty, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then on the other side, you know, what K-State's defense obviously has been playing at an elite level for a lot of the season. Um, just, you know, for you, what, what scares you most about the Kansas State defense and what they could do to Paul State? Well, I think if they can make OSU – Settle for threes, and like I said, they take a bunch of them, but they're not always the best at shooting them. It just they can be streaky at times. But and then Yorane, if he stays out of foul trouble, he's been really good even around the rim on rebounding. But that could be a weakness for the Cowboys too. Is getting out rebounded by teams. So okay, it's one of those fundamental things. And when you don't have that much margin for error, you know, and guys aren't just going off some night, you you're going to lose a lot of these games. So uh, I, I think. Kansas State's probably can just stick to their game plan, and as long as a couple guys from OSU don't just go off, they're probably in pretty good shape. But yeah, and another thing, you know, Kansas State's defense—the the guards like to put a lot of pressure on you and, and force turnovers. I would imagine Barry Brown matched up with with Lindy Waters. You know, is Oklahoma State very turnover prone? Do you think that's somewhat that K-State can turn into points? Yeah, and that's definitely been a problem with him at some point. And Isaac Likely, their point guard, he's a true freshman, and he's had some good games. He's gotten better, but he still he still can give the ball away sometimes. So he could, he's good at getting to the rim, um, but if he gets trapped, and even Lindy Waters had a lot of issues with that against South Carolina, whenever he would get trapped at the top of the key or up to the by the baseline, uh, he had two or three turnovers in the second half like that. So I think that was Oklahoma. I'm mixing two games together. But, yeah, they, they, they have been turnover prone. Um, and especially with the youth they have it in the backcourt there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it'd be nice to, in case they, when they, when they get three points, they can be a lot better doing that. Hopefully get, get some shots going. And, you know, the other thing is K-State has been pretty good on the road, you know, even in tougher atmospheres. But it, it seems like Galgariba, not not quite the place to play that it used to be. You know, what kind of crowd do you expect on Saturday? Hopefully a good one. They've had a couple uh, decent crowds uh, as of late. I think they're on a three-game home stretch now, and they've been 
pretty good showings. I mean, obviously Oklahoma was any any Bedlam game is going to be uh, a sellout pretty much. But I mean, it was a pretty good game for the SEC ch- or the South Carolina SEC Big Twelve Challenge. I mean, it's probably not going to be a packed house, but you know, <laughs> there should be enough support there. Yeah, honestly, I mean, on the flip side of that, Oklahoma State might want to try to keep the energy down, given the way K State played at Tulsa and at A and M. And there wasn't much crowd. It was two, two of their worst games. So who knows? I don't know. I mean, just it's, it sounds like fatigue probably a factor with the depth. But as far as just, uh, you know, bringing the energy from the start, uh, you know, has Coach been happy with the effort for the most part? Or? Yeah, there hasn't been a lot, of com- a lot to complain about as far as the effort and energy. And like I said, it's a really, it's a really, I'm talking in shorthand, they're a very young team too. Yeah. I think Ken Palm has them like 295 in experience. Yeah, okay. And I think it's one of the youngest teams in the country. And K-State's, I think, on the opposite end of yeah. that. They're one of the top 50 or something like that. So right. so on top of that, you've got your, with a lot of freshmen playing, a lot of young guys playing, you're going to have your highs and your lows too. So it's kind of what uh, Mike Boynton's having to deal with. And you just kind of – you hope they can find some footing and have a stronger finish. And then just, you know, again, it's just looking forward to next year. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Well, and what about – I mean, Kansas State – I almost feel like this is a bad time to have a, a week off after such a, a bad game. You must want to get back out there and get that out of your mind. But, you know, is this a good time for Oklahoma State to have? Because they get a week-long break too, right? Right. Yeah, they had the week off. I think probably it is just because of the, again, I probably sound like I'm just <laughs> a broken record, but just yeah. because of their lack of depth and just getting guys some rest. And that's I think that's been one of the things is Boynton's having to learn too with this size of roster is just managing minutes. I think Cam McGriff played every minute last um, against South Carolina, and you know that's somewhat sustainable. But at some point, that's going to catch up with you. So, yeah. Okay. And then, uh, so I have to ask. I'm, I'm kind of hoping K State can can get a big enough lead that we might get to see Trey Reeves because I was a big big fan of Big Country growing up. So, what can you tell us about Trey Reeves? Well, I can. I'm gonna have to break some bad news to you because I said that oh, there was he, four departures from the team. Well, oh, is he one of the uh, guys? He's not a departure from the team, but he broke his foot in practice last week and oh, is out no. for the season. So this came right oh. after this, this. I think a week after they dismissed those three guys, it was announced that he was done for the year. So he's rolling around on a scooter. Oh, um, man. And that was just so, in practice that he? In practice, yeah. They said he, it was a broken foot in practice. So little country has been has been grounded. Oh, Unfortunately, man. You'll just have to watch the celebrations from the, uh-huh. from the bench. That's a bummer. That's bummer. <laughs> he's pretty good at celebrations. That's good. Okay, yeah. I was reading his bio. It seems like he, he's one it's, of those guys that, that would really be kind of a fan favorite, a smart kid. Yeah. Yeah, so. he, they put him on – he actually was put on scholarship last year. Okay. Hadn't got a ton of time, you know, so far this year, but I think he was about to probably get some some seat of the court yeah. quite a bit when this <laughs> happened. So that just kind of added insult to injury for OSU. Yeah, and he really does look like his dad. Enjoyed yeah, that. <laughs> he's probably six inches or eight inches shorter than his dad. Yeah, that's but uh, yeah, he's he does. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and so I guess just just zooming out a little bit, uh, you know, you mentioned this is obviously kind of a rebuilding year, and it seems like I don't know these, these dismissals, not really something that that anybody's going to blame Mike Boynton for. I mean, they weren't really his recruits and. It's not, you know. Yeah, a couple of them, a couple of them were, and I think a lot of it comes down to and the way he he's kind of and the program's kind of put it forward is that we're not going to 
I think what he said after Mike Cunningham, which actually was a mutual kind of departure thing, but they didn't, which, you know, nobody really knows what happened there uh, mm -hmm. publicly, but they, he even said something to the effect of, we're not going to sacrifice uh, our long-term, our program long-term for short-term gains. So I think he's got, he's got the support of the fan base and definitely the school at this point. I mean, his year two, he's replacing a lot and he's a charismatic guy. He seems to be able to coach. Uh, so I think he's got, he's got his own pretty much, he's got some leeway there, but and he's got some, some uh, high ranked recruits coming in. I think the right. OSU has the number right. 20 class coming in for 2019 with yeah. a, a few guys and, They've got some high recruit guys for 2020 also committed yeah. too. So yeah. of course you got to you get at some point you have to start winning though too. Sure. So, but um, yeah, I, I think he's okay there. And I like you said, he's not really getting too much blame as far as it goes. I mean, people are going to start grumbling when you <laughs> you win. You know, what is it, two two and six or yeah, <laughs> I should know that and six. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah. you know, I think it'll be a couple years before he really you know starts to start turning the screws on. Not, if he doesn't, you know produce but it's all about them for the future and hoping hoping that uh those guys that he does bring in next year can actually play and contribute so <laughs> yeah yeah and i was looking at him and it looked like they had a guy that was a top 100 for next year and beat out a lot of top schools for him so that's gonna yeah. be encouraging uh, yeah marcus watson right uh they've got some guys coming in and then they've got the boone twins or the from tulsa memorial they're the top uh -huh. i think they're the numbers one and three recruits in the state okay and uh Avery Anderson, who's also a, a combo guard, who's a four-star guy. So, yeah, I mean, if these guys can come in and, and produce, and, you know, next year will probably kind of be a rebuilding year, too, but you just kind of hope maybe in 20, uh, 2021 that you start to see some of that paying off. Yeah, and really, I mean, Oklahoma more so than Kansas kind of seems like it, you get some decent recruits, and you, you can get a lot done just by keeping the guys in state generally, right? Yeah, and that's something that I, I think that kind of lacked – in the past, like under Travis Ford, and that's mm -hmm. something that Mike Boynton has seemed to make. He he definitely goes and recruits all over. He mm -hmm. goes East Coast, but he does. He's made a point to try and keep the best players in the state if he can, and so uh, he's made a point to do that. And you know, hopefully it'll pay off for him. It looks like he's he's on the right road for that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of I gotta ask just uh, tongue in cheek here, but there's a guy named uh, Elijah Wood that committed to. Um, Tulane, I believe it was, but he was a four-star. And after all of Oklahoma State's success with Hobbits, I was surprised they didn't go after that guy. <laughs> I'm not sure he was on the – they were on his radar or that he was on yeah, theirs, yeah. to be honest. But. He was a K-State uh, offer. So. Oh, really? Yeah, it was kind of interesting. <laughs> I don't know how Tulane got him over a bunch of big schools. But, yeah, he was from Florida or something. But I think <laughs> Tulane's got a, a coach with some NBA connections or something. So Anyway, but I guess one thing with Bowen, it, it seems like – you can almost look at him as the opposite of Bruce Weber, who's the guy you know that came in right from the start. He was a fired coach. People were skeptical, and you know Bruce seems like a really nice guy, but he's not great with the media. You know, he sometimes almost accidentally throws his players under the bus. Uh, it seems like it's kind of the opposite with Mike Morton, where he's like you said, he's charismatic, and that the fan is behind him. And it seems like that that really can make a difference. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it's I think it's his personality. He's a younger guy too, yeah. and I think you know he can walk into most living rooms and connect with a lot of people, a lot of recruits. Yeah, right. He's what thirty-seven. I, I think he's younger than that. I think he's okay. thirty thirty-five. I could okay. be wrong on that. But would that make him the youngest coach in the conference? Then? Um, probably thirty-seven. You're right. Never mind. Okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's 37. But yeah, I mean, he he's, like you said, charismatic guy. He came in when he was hired, you know, Brad Underwood was there for a year. And I, that, speaking of Bruce Weber, I, I still remember the, the rumbling, grumblings from, from Manhattan <laughs> when that happened. Yeah. And then within, he was about as quickly as he was here, he was gone. And then next thing you know, there's all the coaching rumors start, you know, going around and who are going to, who are they going to hire all this stuff? And then uh, kind of out of nowhere, they hired one of Underwood's assistants who most people didn't even know his name on the staff. So, but and a lot of people, you know, the fan base was not super happy about that. They kind of felt that they settled. Yeah. Uh, but he quickly won a lot of people over. And, of course, last year he had some really big wins right. in his first se- season at Morgantown and, you know, in Lawrence. So, mm-hmm. you know, beat a number four OU team. So exposed Trey Young a little bit. Yeah. But, I, I just think that Kansas State laid the yeah. blueprint, for, blueprint for beating Trey Young. But, yeah, I, I don't want to say that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I mean there's I don't know if it's a there's probably I mean there's a lot of differences probably I mean age for one and um, he's kind of you know just a lot of won a lot of people over of course like we said he's gonna have to at some point he's gonna have to it's gonna have to show up in the on the court and you know put together at OSU it's been a long time but the fan base still feels like they're a, a basketball esque school. It's a football school, obviously now, but there was a long time that it wasn't. It was a basketball school, and you know, under Eddie Sutton, and a lot of the fan base still feels like sure. they're pretty proud of that, you know, basketball program, and they're going to want to see, you know, going to the NCAA tournament every year, and maybe hit this, you know, Sweet Sixteen every couple of years or, or more. So yeah, yeah. And real quick, you mentioned Brad Underwood. I, I feel like a lot of some of those K State fans maybe who wanted him to come here are seeing now what he's doing at Illinois and the struggles there thinking, you know, maybe we dodged a bullet. Is there, there some of that same sentiment at Oklahoma State, do you think? Uh, I think at, right at most around Oklahoma State's fan base, it's it's mostly still just complete hatred. Yeah. Of, <laughs> like, there's the people that still tweet like, oh, Illinois has got the worst record in Oklahoma State, you know, and it's, <laughs> there's like trackers for that. There was last year, so probably, yeah, there's some of that there. I think a lot of that's still a thing a little bit, but most of the fan base has kind of moved on. He was here, and he was the biggest thing about him. He showed up, and he was, said all the right things, and he was a pretty hot name, pretty hot hire. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my dream job, and all this stuff, and then he was gone pretty quickly. I think they barely got back from their NCAA tournament game, and he was gone. But yeah. I think a lot of them have kind of maybe not got over it, but they've just kind of moved on to to this year. And uh, I think Boynton has really proven himself to. A be a good coach, and it looks appears to be a good recruiter, and we just I, I really just he's just a, a really interesting guy to talk to and yeah. and listen to. So hopefully he he goes together and be successful. Yeah, I mean, is there a sense that that he would be willing to stay for a while? Or any concerns about that? I think so. I mean, I think that's I think that's the case. He seems to say all the right things, and of course, like you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times coaches say all the right things, and <laughs> who knows, you know, you, if he you know next year goes to the Sweet 16 or something and gets a call from some other school that's looking. You, you never know what's going to happen. But uh, I, I don't see think that that's something that people are really worried about. And maybe that's a lot to do with him being a first-time head coach and kind of not being a big name whenever he was hired. But, yeah. Well, you know, it sounds a, a little bit like, I mean, circumstances are kind of different because Kansas State had been mediocre for so long. But, you know, when Bob Huggins came for a year, then he left. His no-name mm-hmm. assistant took over and it ended right. up working out. So. 
Yeah, there's some similarities for sure. And you never know how, how one guy's going to work out. There's so many other factors that go into it. Obviously, you have to be a good coach and recruiter and stuff, but sometimes it's just the, the right fit, you know. Right. Yeah, and it's, you you mentioned uh, the beating Kansas and Lawrence, and K-State, of course, has the big Monday game two days after Oklahoma State. Um, and, you know, Oklahoma State won twice last year, but not just that. I mean, I think – you beat them six times in the last six years. I, I looked it up, but I can't imagine there are many Big 12 teams who have been more successful than that against Kansas. Uh, what, what's the secret that you guys have? Um, for a long time, uh, people around here said it was because he wanted to keep Travis Ford in Stillwater. <laughs> <laughs> because he seemed to have somehow had uh, uh, Bill's number. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I think everybody gets up for Kansas. No, I, you know, sure. even – a true freshman who's never doesn't really know much about Big Twelve football or Big Twelve basketball comes in and it's Kansas. You know, you go there and I mean, I don't know. I sometimes you just get those performances. It's probably more luck than anything else. I don't think he's uh, got any real OSU uh, loyalties anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think the problem with K State for a while is that they got too up for Kansas. Like they got in their heads a little too much, especially at Lawrence. And you know, K State had that stretch with four or five years. They'd fall behind by twenty by the second media timeout <laughs> in mm-hmm. every year. So, yeah, yeah it's kind of it's kind of. I mean, it's probably like that rivalry thing. I don't I don't know. I mean, it's every every school has a different history, but I guess OSU and Kansas aren't really a rivalry, but it's still it's just that school you get up for because yeah. you know they're the best. They've been the best for however long. But yeah, hopefully, uh, maybe you know. I think I think people thought that that uh, kept. Travis actually kept Travis Ford around for a couple extra years because he would yeah. it was looking bad and then he would Marcus Smart would do a backflip on the Allen <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Fieldhouse. Right. Well, but then it was that I mean it was the one year that he didn't win one when he got fired, right? So maybe that's true. Some of that. I, I think that fine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll go with that. That's what it was. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of Kansas, uh, you know, especially after the loss to Texas on Monday night. There's, I mean, this seems like an annual occurrence, but I always say, oh, this could be the, the best chance to, to not KU off the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it was inter- actually there were some some K State fans that were upset today because Andy Katz tweeted out something and he mentioned Iowa State, Tech, and I think Baylor, but mm-hmm. he didn't mention Kansas State. There was a little bit of disrespect there. Sure, but just in general, I mean, do you, do you think this could be the year? Uh, it could be, and like like you just said, I think I said that I was pretty convinced of it last year at one point. Yeah. Um, and then you know, it, it definitely could be. I don't think know that this is like as dominant as some of the teams that he's had up there, but uh, he's definitely got he's still got a ton of dudes, like a ton yeah. of guys. I mean, I think the problem he, is similar to what it was last year. That Kansas wasn't that great. They lost six games, but nobody else like even. They're better than eight losses, so and I, I think that can well, happen again this year. And the Big Twelve is such a meat grinder too. I mean, yeah. you, you're going to play even teams that aren't good. I mean, you're going to have the game, that head scratching game that you lose to to some team that you should beat. So that seems like at least even on good OSU teams, there's always a couple of those games. So right, and it just I just think seems that like it's just a good conference from top to bottom. Gets so deep, you know, you got a real chance at, at eight bids, but I don't know that there's really a Final Four team in there. You know, right. So, yeah, that's probably that's probably fair. I would, I, you know, OSU fans are looking, hoping they can win their way into an NIT berth at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd be tough. 
Well, I guess before we let you go, do uh, you want to make any prediction for Saturday? Uh, yeah, I will say, I'll say Oklahoma State actually gets it done. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and uh, <laughs> I'll say Oklahoma State 62-58. Okay. Yeah, it could happen. And if Kansas State's offense doesn't get going, I don't know. I'd like to think that, that they'll be a little bit upset after the A&M game and come out strong and hopefully work some more on shooting this week. But I don't know. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm, I'm trying to pander to any yeah. of fans that are listening. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we appreciate <laughs> you you coming on. Um, I know you guys are really prolific over there, Pistol Firing Blog, you know, what kind of uh, preview type stuff we have. That's this week. We've got uh, all, all kinds of stuff going on this week. We'll have a, a game preview before the game. I think we're going to do a live blog during the game. Um, we'll have just random stuff throughout the week. I just did. I just wrote something about yesterday about uh, Thomas DeZagua and Lindy Waters and their historic pace of shoot, three-point shooting this year mm-hmm. that they're on. So go check that out, pistolsfiringblog.com. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. And your uh, Twitter handle? It is at KyleCoxPFB. All right, sounds good. Thanks a lot, Kyle. Appreciate you joining us. All right, thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. So, yeah, I started the weather.